You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. We're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, and I'm your host, Jason Cook. This morning we have Peter Watts in the studio continuing his series, Searching for Certainty. Welcome, Peter. It's good to be back, Jason. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back in the studio. I, I missed last week because I uh, wasn't very well, and fortunately Tabitha was able to uh, Keep the show running as Tabitha such. did a great job. I'm, you know, you, you, you don't have to keep up with her. So uh, it's good to be back with you in the studio. Now, Peter, a couple of weeks ago you shared um, your interest in space exploration and the mm. uh, the journeys into space that have been happening. And uh, together you and I sat down and we watched a launch of uh, the SpaceX where I think... Yeah. Uh, Inspiration 4. Was there four civilians? There was, yeah. Tra- travelling into space without any astronauts on board. And uh, there was something else that happened or that you read about just today that you... you it was actually, yeah, I think it was yesterday. Um, some of the listeners may know uh, William Shatner, the actor who uh, played Captain Kirk in the iconic uh, sci-fi series Star Trek from the 60s. And uh, I uh, remember watching that with my dad and my brother as we were growing up. Um, but, uh, yeah, he actually went into space yesterday. Well... Very low Earth orbit, yeah. uh, we would say, um, and uh, on Jeff, Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin. So he, so that was uh, an interesting story where he's ninety years of age. That actor, that's amazing, William Shatner, and he went into space. And of course, it ties in with um, a uh, one of our messages a few weeks ago, where we talked about a trip into space, and we talked about the thousand years mm. uh, of the millennium that we see in Revelation chapter twenty. And uh, the fact that God is going to uh, come, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to collect the saints, uh, resurrect the the sleeping saints, and take the living saints uh, up to heaven, and we'll be there uh, a trip into space for a thousand years, which I think will be amazing. So... Uh, we we don't have to save up our money and and pay pay to get on SpaceX or or Jeff Bezos's uh, Blue Origin, but um, it will be interesting to to uh, to see what happens when Jesus returns and takes us home to heaven. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, uh, we can no doubt do lots of exploring ourselves during, during that time as well. Uh, now, I will just uh, mention our number, our show number for Tassie Encounters is 0488-880-891. That's 0488-880-891. We will have an offer later in the program, a free book offer, and uh, we'd also encourage you to respond to our questions and uh, if you've got any other thoughts or questions you'd like to share, you can text those in. Uh, last week, uh, Peter, I believe you did the topic, Who is the Antichrist? And uh, if people have missed that episode, they can catch up on the Faith FM website. That was actually two weeks ago with you. Two weeks so ago. So last, oh, what was week, last we week we did the Temple in Jerusalem with That's Tabitha. right. The Temple in Jerusalem. Sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, the Temple in Jerusalem with Tabitha last week. Uh, if you want to catch up on the previous episodes, Faith FM website, or you can download the Faith FM app if you've got a phone or tablet. You can listen to our programs on that technology. So today, the USA in Bible prophecy. Do you want to review where you've come from, or yeah, we get straight sure. into our program? Well, today? we're going to do a bit of both, actually, Jason. So okay. um, uh, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago we did indeed do the uh, subject of who is the Antichrist, and uh, we looked at uh, what some of the reformers had said about that. We looked at Daniel chapter seven in particular. Um, we looked at some of the history of the medieval church. 
And uh, this week we're going to look at the USA in prophecy. And people might be thinking, well, how can the USA be in Bible prophecy? The book was written 2,000 years ago. Um, do we actually see the USA in Bible prophecy? Well, just as um, we talked about the fact that in Daniel 7, you have uh, a lot of the history of the medieval church um, and, you know, that, that church dominated the Christian world for the last, you know, for much of the last 2,000 years. And uh, it wouldn't be surprising that God would mention it in prophecy. And, mm. and likewise, the United States of America is currently uh, the, 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 the largest, the most powerful uh, Protestant nation in the world. And it has significant influence in the world. And it wouldn't be surprising if God were to mention it in prophecy. And we're going to take a look at that. Um, in order to do that, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 13. And what we find there in Revelation 13 is two beast powers, one that arises from the sea and one that arises from the earth. And we'll, in order to understand and, and to identify that second beast power, we'll need to identify the first one. So the first one, let's read Revelation chapter 13. We're actually going to read the first five verses. So uh, we're going to get you to do a bit of reading here, Jason. So okay. this is going to be Revelation 13, 1 to 5. Okay, and we're reading from the New King James Version. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast." And then verse 4 and 5. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. All right. There are many, many details in these first five verses of Revelation 13, and I would just like to encourage our listeners uh, to, uh, if they you know, can grab a Bible or look it up on their phone, that uh, this will be helpful to follow along. And uh, also you might want to get a pen and paper because you can jot down a few notes as we go through some of this. But in those first five verses of Revelation 13, there's a lot of description about the this beast power. Mm. We've already learned from Daniel 7 and Daniel 8 that a beast in Bible prophecy represents a nation, a kingdom, or a political power. Uh, and so that's what we have here. So we don't have to wonder what this beast means. It's actually a, 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 a power, a political power. Mm. Okay. But interestingly enough, it also receives worship. It says they worship the beast. Mm. So this is a political power that receives worship. Hmm. And uh, what we can uh, discern from this is if – go ahead, I was Joseph. just going to say that also it's got a blasphemy blasphemous name written. Right. So that means there's some religious connotation or context there. Yeah. So on the one hand, a beast represents a state power, a political power. On the other hand, it receives worship. So this is a religious political power uh, that we can discern so far. And if we actually compare Daniel chapter 7, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago when we looked at who is the Antichrist, and people might want to go back and review that, and we compare the first beast of Revelation 13, we find that the same power is being uh, identified here. There are a number of elements that you see in Daniel 7 as well as Revelation 13. So, for instance, these elements would include they both rise up out of the sea. You've got beasts rising up out of the sea. 
uh, you have in Daniel 7, you have a, a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a terrible beast. In Revelation 13, it mentions that it is like a lion, a bear, a leopard, and it's a beast. Um, you've got the ten horns, uh, speaks blasphemies. In Daniel 7, it rains for um, a time, times, and a half a time, which we're going to unpack in a moment. Um, and in um, Revelation 13, it says 42 months. It makes war with the saints and, and so forth. So it's talking about the same power. And in Daniel chapter 7, we looked at 10 identifying characteristics of the little horn power, and we identified it as the Roman papal system. Now, we want to re-emphasize the fact that we're not talking about the people that in the Roman Catholic Church, we're simply talking about the system uh, of that church that is is unbiblical, and so there are many god godly uh, spirit filled heaven bound um, followers of Jesus in the Roman Catholic faith now, that's for sure uh, so that's what we want to um, clarify, but at the same time, this power uh, has been foretold in prophecy it's been identified by many Protestant reformers through centuries. And um, and so this is the power represents. Let's talk a little bit about that time, times and a half a time mm. that we find in Daniel seven twenty five. I'm just going to read that. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. What does this mean? A time represents one year, and a biblical year is three hundred and sixty days. That's what they had: twelve months, thirty days each. So a time would represent one day, uh, one year, sorry, 360 days. Times would be two years, that's 720 days. And a half a time, a half a year, or 180 days. If you add all those days together, the time, times, and a half a time, or three and a half prophetic years, that would be 1,260 days. It would also represent 42 months <laughs> of I've, days. I've just brought my calculator up and, and calculated 42, 42 times 30, 30, and it comes to 1,260. There you go. Now, what's fascinating about this is uh, the Bible tells us one of the principles of prophetic interpretation is that a day represents one year in Bible prophecy. We've talked about this in terms of Daniel chapter 7. Uh, we've talked about it before in Daniel chapter 9. And this is an important principle because if we understand this, it helps us to understand prophecy. Without it, some of the prophecies don't make sense. Mm. And so what you have here is this uh, time period is actually mentioned seven different times in Scripture. Um, Twice, uh, sorry, five times in the book of, um, sorry, twice in the book of Daniel, five times in the book of Revelation. So God clearly wants us to understand this time period. Mm. And it simply represents the time period of papal supremacy, which was from 538. You go forward 1,260 years, it comes to 1,798. And we we should expect something to happen there. And what we find is that in 1798, Napoleon is trying to conquer Europe. He knows that he's not going to be able to do this unless he breaks the back of the papal power. And so he sends his general into Rome, takes the Pope prisoner. The Pope ends up dying in prison. And uh, when, that po- when the Pope was taken in, um, into captivity, that was 1798. That's going to be an important date as we explore the identification of the USA in Bible prophecy. Okay, so let's uh, remember that date, 1798. Uh, put that uh, in your memory banks. And uh, as we do, I'm going to ask you a, a question that we'd love you to respond to. Why do you think Bible prophecy is an important aspect of the Bible's message? 
Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Why do you think Bible prophecy is an important aspect of the Bible's message? We're going to listen to this song. It's called Revelation Song, and this is uh, sung by Jenny Lee Riddle.
You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're talking with Peter Watts about the topic, the USA in Bible prophecy. And before we went to the break, we asked you to remember a particular year, an important year. What was that year, Peter? 1798. So 1798 was a time when the uh, the, the Pope had been taken captive by Berthier, uh, who was a general of Napoleon. Napoleon wanted to conquer Europe, and he knew he couldn't do it without breaking the, breaking the back of the papal power. So in 1798, a deadly wound was inflicted upon the papal power. Mm. And uh, we're going to offer a book that you can get later in the program. It's called America in Prophecy, and it will help uh, unpack some of this in, in more detail as well. So we'll tell you a bit more about that later. And just remember our listener question. Why do you think prophecy is important or is an important aspect of the Bible? message. So Peter, this uh, deadly wound, what else happens around this time? All right, so if you turn to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 10, uh, it it, uh, mentions this again, if you would like to read that, Jason. It says, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So here it talks about, it says, he who leads into captivity, and this power had led people into captivity, it would go into captivity. He who is killed with the sword must be killed with the sword. He receives this deadly wound. Mm-hmm. And then the very next verse, and so that occurs in 1798, and the very next verse is Revelation thirteen eleven, And uh, I'll get you to read that, Jason. It says, <clears throat> Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. All right. So this is important from the perspective that here we have a second power coming upon the scene at this time. Mm. So you have the first power, the first beast power, which we've recognized as um, medieval uh, Roman papal power, going into captivity at 1798. And then we see another beast, another power coming up out of the earth had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So there are a number of identifying features of this. First of all, it's another political power. It's a beast. It's, ri- it's rising up. It's coming up. That means it's growing. Okay, it's it's coming up. It's not um, it's not already there. It's it's coming up and it's coming up out of the earth. The first beast came up out of the sea, and we noted in Daniel chapter 7 that the beasts that came up out of the sea, they the seas represented multitudes of people. We see a reference to that in Revelation uh, 17, verse 15, I think it is. And um, so on the, on the contrary, this beast is coming up out of the earth, a um, largely unsettled part of the world um, in terms of... Um, cities and, and, and that kind of thing. So you have uh, another beast coming up in an area of the world that has been largely unsettled. Uh, he had two horns like a lamb. Now, horns in the uh, Bible are a symbol of power, and uh, it says like a lamb. Now, the lamb in the book of Revelation is a symbol of whom, do you think? Jesus. Yeah, mm. Jesus Christ is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's mm. referenced as a lamb, even in this chapter, actually, in Revelation 13, verse 8. Um, and so the lamb represents Jesus. So you think, well, this is this is good. This, this uh, power, whoever it is, it has two horns like a lamb, but then it says it spoke 
like a dragon. Mm. And who is the dragon in the book of Revelation? It's referring to the, the devil. The, the Satan. devil and yeah. Satan. That mm. We find that in Revelation 12 very clearly. Mm. And so this is a, it's, it's like a, a dichotomy. Mm. It's almost a, a contradiction that you have this beast rising up that ha- is like a lamb, like Jesus, but then it speaks like a dragon. And uh, it, it's coming up at this time when the first beast power is descending into captivity. So you have... 1798, the papal power going into captivity. We should be looking for a power around the end of the 1700s that is rising into prominence in a um, sparsely populated part of the world that will have the principles, uh, it will have lamb-like principles, and yet it will ultimately speak as a dragon. And many people have looked at this and seen in this an identification of the United States of America. I want you to notice something that John Wesley said about this power. John Wesley did not know what this power was, but he knew it was coming. Mm. And I want to notice, I've got this book at home, it's uh, Notes on Revelation by John Wesley. And in 1754, he said this, he says, He, talking about this second beast that we refer to in Revelation 13, verse 11, the second beast, he says, he is not yet come, but he cannot be far off, for he is to appear at the end of the 42 months of the Mm. first beast. So he he knew what that 42 months was was about. (laughs) He knew, well, he knew who the Antichrist power was. Mm. He'd identified that he was in line with all the other great reformers. And so John Wesley understood who the first beast was. Mm. He also understood that it had been uh, in power for a long, long time, mm. and he thought this must come to an end soon. Mm. And in 1754, John Wesley is saying he's not yet far off, but he can't. Sorry, he's not yet come, but he can't be far off. Mm. And so, very insightful of of John Wesley to be able to to write that. Now Wesley was uh, based in. The area of the UK, is that Yes, right? so he yeah. was from the UK. He was an Anglican minister mm. who then went to the States, did some preaching in the States, was thoroughly unsuccessful, and came back to the UK and then had uh, something of a, 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 um, a revival and a conversion in his own life uh, and then began to do much of his ministry around the UK. Okay. And, of course, uh, out of his teachings was launched the Methodist movement mm. that we know today. So um, so here he's saying it can't be far, far off. And if you think about the United States, you have the Declaration of Independence, 1776. You have the Constitution of the United States, 1787. You have the Bill of Rights in 1789, which is adopted in 1791. You have this nation, this power, growing into prominence mm. just at the time when the first power is going down into captivity in 1798. So it's very interesting Now, when you look at this prophecy, by the way, we could say, well, we're looking for a beast that arises in a sparsely populated part of the world. We could say Australia, Mm, right? Yeah. Australia is a fairly sparsely populated part of the world, right? Lots of desert. Yeah. Um, And so it could be that. But I want you to read verse 12 of uh, Revelation 13, because the very next verse says something very interesting. It says, And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast 
whose deadly wound was healed. All right. So there's lots in this verse. Mm. It says he exercises all the authority of the first beast. So if you think about the power that the medieval Roman church had in the Dark Ages, it had significant power over the lives of people. Mm. Okay. And it says he exercises that, uh, that, that power in the presence of the first beast. He causes the earth and those who dwell in it, I guess that will be us, to worship that first beast. Uh, whose deadly wound was healed. Now, this, I would say, is, is yet future. It's in development, but it's not actually happened yet. Uh, but that deadly wound has been healed. I think everybody could see that if the papacy went into captivity in 1798, mm. it's not hard to see that it has grown again since that time into the prominence of, of worldwide influence today. Mm. Um, the Pope is very popular. The papacy is very popular. And uh, it, prob- it probably has never been more powerful. Um, and so that deadly wound has been healed. And this second beast, whom we believe to be the United States, it's going to cause the world and the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. Now, I want to say this. In order to cause the world to do anything, you have to have global influence. So whoever this power is, it has to be a global political power. It has to have significant influence. And although I love Australia and I love living here, I don't think Australia matches that level of characteristic and and so whereas the united states certainly does um what's interesting is if we go to 1960 john f kennedy was elected president of the united states he was the first roman catholic president of the united states and that was significant because america had basically been founded on protestant principles Mm. people went to the americas looking for civil freedom and religious freedom they wanted a a country without a king and a church without a pope and so when you have the election of john f kennedy what you see is a thawing of the relationships between roman catholicism and protestantism in america and we'll see how that develops after the break okay now uh Earlier, we had uh, somebody respond to our listener question, which was, why do you think prophecy is an important aspect of the Bible's message? And Sheikah uh, responded and said, prophecy proves the integrity of the Bible. You know, that, that's so true for me because, you know, those prophecies in, in Daniel, particularly the ones of the, the coming powers, mm. to me really solidified my belief in, in the scriptures as being authentic and reliable yeah they, they were that was the first thing that uh, got my attention in terms of the bible in terms of me taking it as a reliable document mm. so thank you for that uh, if you've got any further thoughts uh, anyone else on uh, why do you think prophecy is an important aspect of the bible's message please do text us in and remember uh, coming up later we'll give you the code for america in bible in prophecy america in prophecy the beginning of the end that's a book that we'll be giving away but right now here is chris tomlin with Izzy worthy
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 
Yeah, welcome back to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And uh, we continue our discussion with Peter Watts this morning about USA in Bible prophecy. And we just got to a point where we were talking about the first Catholic president of the USA, John F. Kennedy, mm. and how this uh, was sort of indicating, I guess, a, a thawing of the cold relationship between Protestant and Catholic uh, Yeah. Believers. Leadership, yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. America had certainly been um, most definitely a Protestant country. Um, and uh, you can see that in terms of uh, the way it was set up to the separation of church and state and, and the uh, ability of people to worship how they wanted to or, or not to worship at all um, and the, the freedom to do that. And, that, you know, it's called the land of the free, uh, often referred to, of course. So, so, yes, so we come to the time of John F. Kennedy, 1960. He is um, elected president of the United States, the first Roman Catholic president. By the way, we currently have our second Roman Catholic president in Joe Biden mm. um, at the moment. But um, after that event, uh, again, we see a, a, a sort of closer ties between Roman Catholics and Protestants in America. You come to the time of uh, President Reagan, and he has uh, a couple of significant meetings with Pope John Paul II, who was a relatively new pope at that time. Um, and uh, he had he, he met with him uh, at the Vatican in June 82, and then uh, the pope came to America, and they met in Florida in September 82. Um, and uh, after that, you have, uh, in 1984... Uh, Ronald Reagan sets up, establishes the first U.S. ambassador to the Vatican. Now, of course, we're familiar with ambassadors. We have nations that we send a representative to another nation mm. and so forth. But uh, the idea of sending an ambassador to the papacy or to the Vatican was anathema to many Protestants in America for many, many decades. Um, and then, of course, because of this thawing of relationships, you have... Uh, Reagan uh, setting up that ambassador in 84. Do they have uh, other ambassadors in the Vatican? From oh, other yes. Countries? We were certainly from, from here. Yeah. In fact, you've, you've sprung me into a story now. I was at the Vatican in 2010, and uh, we, uh, uh, we were there uh, doing a, a research tour. And in the Vatican, we met Tim Fisher, who was formerly the... Um, um, Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, of course, mm. and leader of the National Party. He later became the ambassador to the Vatican wow. for Australia. Okay. And we actually bump into him and said, hey, it's Tim Fisher. And he says, not now, boys, bit busy, not bad. <laughs> so it was f fascinating to see him there. But, um, yes, uh, the, the Vatican sends and receives... Um, ambassadors to many, many nations around the world, of course, because it is a political power. Mm. It is, well, its, it is own its own nation. nation. It is yeah. its own nation. Small, but of course, small though it is, it small is a nation. Small though it is, it has very big influence. Mm. And so we see that. And uh, this relationship between the US and um, the papacy um, was uh, highlighted in a Time magazine edition, uh, 23rd of February 1980, uh, 1992. And on the front cover, it had Holy Alliance how Reagan and the Pope conspired to assist Poland's solidarity movement and hasten the demise of communism. What you have here is you have these two great powers, America and the papacy, uh, 
both have a, a common enemy, which was communism, mm. uh, the communist Soviet Union, um, because uh, on the one hand, it was suppressing the rights of Roman Catholics in, in Russia. And on the other hand, of course, it was a major competitor to the United States. And both of them uh, worked together to hasten the demise of communism. And that made the front cover of Time magazine in 1992. And we see further um, growing together of these powers. But I want you to notice what else it says in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, 13 to 14, about this uh, power, uh, the United States of America. It says, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. All right, so a couple of things here. Performs great signs, he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. There's a couple of things here that, that I think of when I think of that. One is Elijah on Mount Carmel, mm. where he calls down fire from heaven as a sign of who the real God is. And apparently this power is going to do that, but it's going to be a false sign. Uh, the other thing I think about is when fire fell from heaven during the time of Pentecost, where they began to, they received the Holy Spirit and so began to speak with fire. other tongues, yeah. right? And so some have seen in this uh, maybe a false Holy Spirit and a false gift of tongues in this sign. It also says, um, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast. Mm. So an image is a likeness of. Mm. So if we look at the papal power in the in medieval times, it was a political power but a religious power, and it blended religion and politics it blended church and state so in other words the state's laws were actually religious laws so that the the church dominated in uh, people's daily affairs and what this is telling us is that in the future the united states will form an image to the beast it will become not only a political power but it will start to influence people religiously as well and of course the constitution of the united states actually forbids that Mm. there is a separation of church and state in the u.s that's deliberate why because people who went to the states came from where predominantly europe Mm. where all of these religious conflicts have been taking place over the last couple of hundred years and so there was no freedom of religion there was no freedom if you were in england you had to correct you had to abide by the church of england and if you were Elsewhere, it was the Roman Henry Catholic. VIII, of course, set up the Church of England, mm. and in many ways, it wasn't that different from the, from the Church in Rome. You had to do what the Church told you to do; mm. um, otherwise, it was curtain for you. Correct. Well, yeah. So, people were fleeing that, and they wanted to establish a place where they could live freely and worship freely, mm. and that's how the states was uh, set up. I want to um, uh, make a, a note on this in Revelation thirteen. You have four significant elements. If you think about the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments, have no other gods before me, don't worship idols, don't take the Lord's name in vain, and remember the Sabbath. Mm. You think about that, all four of those are challenged in Revelation 13. They worship the beast, they set up an image, they speak blasphemy, and there's this thing called the mark of the beast, which we will talk about in our next program. So it's very interesting to see those challenges 
uh, to the authority of God. Read Revelation thirteen fifteen for us, Jason. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. All right, here we have this image, which is a political religious system. That's how it would form an image to the first beast. It will cause people to worship a certain way, and if you don't worship, then there's a death decree. Now, of course, Mm. America is one of the few places in the Western world where the death decree is still present in many states in the US of A. So a death decree is not um, entirely out of the question. And this actually reminds us very much of Daniel chapter 3, mm. right? If, if, if people are familiar with the story of Daniel chapter 3, an image of Babylon is, is erected. The image um, of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's it? image, yep. the golden image. It sets that up. It says, worship or you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. Mm. And uh, so it's drawing that imagery from Daniel 3 and saying this is the kind of circumstances we can expect to see in the future. And it's interesting, isn't it, in that chapter, it uh, gives us the example of those who, who held firm yes. in their belief and yes. uh, did not worship, but they were and saved. And they were delivered. They were saved That's right. as well. So this threat of a death decree doesn't mean that you're going to be put to death mm. because God stands up for his mm. people. Okay, now our book offer, America in Prophecy, the beginning of the end. Uh, do you want to say anything about that before we go to a break? Well, simply put, yes, it's about America in Prophecy and it basically looks at uh, the origins of America, it talks about um, its development and it also talks about how in the end it will speak as a dragon and the role that it will play um, into uh, in the near future. Okay, now uh, here's this song. It's time to get ready. I think it's a, an appropriate message, isn't it, Peter? You know, it is. We are living in the days where some of this stuff is looking like it's not far away. It's time and, to get uh, ready. It's time to get ready. So let's have a listen. This is the Mal- uh, Malvinas Penland. This so world will keep on going on And I can get so comfortable And make this place my home Remind me, Lord, that there is more Than just the things I see To fix my eyes on Jesus And follow It's time to get ready Today is all that we have We can see the signs are happening Just as the Bible says So don't get caught unaware Now is the time to prepare God is calling me and calling him today to put aside distractions and the things that lead us away to really read our Bibles and devote ourselves to prayer to know our dear friend Jesus for he is always there it's time to get ready 
Well, Peter, it's time to get ready. Apparently. That was the song, but now it's time for our listeners to get ready for the code for our giveaway today, the free book, America in Prophecy. Now, we're giving away 10 copies of this book, so get ready, get your pen ready, and get your phone ready to text in the code SEARCH number 25. SEARCH 25, no spaces, text SEARCH 25 into 0488-880-891, and we will get that book out to you as soon as we can. Now, Peter, we were talking about Daniel 3, worshipping the image, uh, and that this is going to be uh, re-established, I guess, Ooh. in the last days. Yes, yeah, so many times through history, I think sometimes people might think, well, this is hard to believe, Jason, you know, mm. that this would actually happen. But I would like to say this, that... Um, we live in this bubble of freedom that we have here in, in Australia and in the Western world. Um, you know, we've had obviously the times of the, the two world wars. Um, but, but largely we're, we've been, uh, unaffected here. Uh, you know, when 9-11 occurred and so forth, we, we didn't actually see the conflict here necessarily in Australia. We have seen a couple of, uh, terrorist attacks here, of course, uh, with, with lone rangers and so forth. But, um, we sort of feel like we're fairly safe, you know, to a degree. And I think the, the pandemic has kind of woken people up to the fact it that has, we're yeah. not that safe. You mm. know, uh, things can take place that can have a global effect. Mm. Um, but the idea that some somebody like a, a nation like America, that is a bastion of freedom for many, uh, that that it would become a persecuting power in the end, is is foreign to most people. But if we think about the Bible story, uh, religious persecution has taken place throughout the Bible. You can see that in many many different Bible stories, and also if you think about um, you think about Germany in the Second World War, you have a modern Western Christian nation that persecuted people, actually 
put them to the gas chambers mm. and they were Sabbath keepers. Mm. They were the Jews. And and if you have told that story, you might think, well, that couldn't possibly happen in a modern Christian Western country. But it happened. And I've been to uh, the concentration camps uh, in, in Germany and uh, have visited the places where thousands of people were put to death you know, only because of what they believed. And it's easy for us to forget about that, you know, like it was not in my lifetime. That's right. Um, but it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't it that was long ago. It was in our parents' lifetime. Correct. And, That's right. Uh, yeah. uh, our parents lived through the war. Mm. And so, yes, we can often forget about that. And so we see, of course, America today is uh, a, a, a powerful nation with powerful influence. So I'd like to, as well as uh, we read about a death decree that would come in the end uh, in Revelation thirteen fifteen, but in sixteen seventeen, there's also something that comes before that. Yeah. I'll get you to read that, Jason. Okay. It says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Mm. And so there's going to be political, sorry, a financial boycott. There's going mm. to be a financial um, restriction that comes as a coercion before the death decree. Mm. Um, and what's interesting about that, of course, is, you know, for many years you would think, well, it's it's hard to enforce that because what you can't buy uh, officially, you can always get on the black market through cash. Mm. Um, but cash is becoming less and less and less uh, uh, popular, less used, um, and uh, we're moving more and more to an electronic system of finance and uh, eventually we could easily see cash being phased out altogether. Uh, and then it would be very easy for a government agency to just cancel your account, mm. freeze your assets, mm. and you wouldn't be able to buy or sell uh, if you weren't going along with the state policy. Mm. Now, of course, right now we live in a, the pandemic and we have regulation and regulation and regulation, and we're coming, these, becoming these very mandates, used to it. This term mandate has mandate, become very yeah. controversial, hasn't it? And, you know, mandatory vaccinations and all of this. And You, you can't go here or do that unless, yeah. unless you've... Uh, can show your passport. And all I'm saying in regard to that is we are becoming used to more regulation in mm. our lives. Yeah. And so what's interesting is to see where that heads in the future. Mm. Um, but here we see a coercion, a financial coercion to do what this power wants you to do. Um, we, we can see a growing uh, closeness between the papacy and the USA. We can see that the USA uh, has massive influence across the globe. I mean, if you think about it, uh, militarily, I think the US spends about as much money on its military as the next 20 countries added together. Um, of course, America is the predominant superpower politically, militarily, financially, and culturally, you know, you think about television and Hollywood, music, fashion, fast food, the Internet, we're massively influenced by the US of A, mm. um, more than probably any other culture on Earth. And so it's going to be very fascinating to see how this plays out and how the US forms an image to that first beast. And what's important for us is to be able to understand what does God's word teach how do we remain loyal to God? If we remain loyal to God, we're following Christ, we're obeying his commands, then we have nothing to fear from what the future holds. In fact, we can be 
actually optimistic about the fact that we know that Jesus is coming soon and all of these signs are leading up to that. For sure. Now, uh, we talked to the, you know, the last Bible verse that we read, uh, talked about, um, re- those who would receive a mark. Mm. Uh, and if you didn't, you could not buy or sell. Now, I believe you're going to be moving on into that topic, uh, next Definitely. week. Definitely. Next right? week, the mark of the beast. A lot of speculation about this topic, but that's what we'll be talking about next week. Mm. And there's, yeah, there's certainly a lot of speculation, a lot of theories, a lot of different ideas about what the mark of the beast is. It is actually not as difficult to discern when you actually Read the read when the text the carefully, out of the script, and you get yeah. the clues out of there. Yeah, you don't have to theorize very much. Yeah, you just need to read the scripture and mm. understand it. So, uh, do tune in next week for uh, Peter's program, and uh, I'm sure that I'll be with you as well next week for the Mark of the Beast. Now, tomorrow we've got David Maxwell with his new series, The Coming King, and uh, he'll be joining Tabitha tomorrow. Um, we've just got one thing to mention regarding next Monday. Normally we have David Leo uh, joining us on Monday, but uh, we're going to have a special program on Monday. So if you're listening um, on a daily basis... Get ready for Monday's program, which is going to be talking to Steve Littlewood. Now, he's a principal of a school down here in Tasmania, and uh, he's going to be talking with Tabitha Zachariah about the impact of social media and uh, really delving into that topic about uh, how it causes anxiety and how we can deal with that and how best to manage social media in our lives. So do tune in on Monday with Steve Littlewood and Tabitha Zachariah. Um, now I did promise, I did give you the code earlier, Search25. We'd have, we've had three people tune in to receive that book to America in, in Prophecy, the beginning of the end. Uh, there's seven copies left, so please do continue to send your Search25 code into 0488880891. We're going to go out now with Brought You Here by Sydney Wolverton. Don't worry about everything around you, everything around you. And don't freak out if you don't feel me beside you. Just look up, I'm reminding you to sing a new song. And let the rain clouds cry their tears of joy and dance all around you. Though a thousand may fall and dead may surround you. So
ground you Though a thousand before 